When I am weak, you carry every burden. When I'm alone, you're just a breath away. When I am restless, you're the one who stills me. And where I fail, you always stay the same. In you alone, I'm lifted up to heaven. In you alone, I soar on borrowed wings. When I've reached the end, you are just beginning. In you alone, I find all that I need. When I am lost, you rescue me from danger. And when I fall, you pick me up again. When I resist, you love past my defenses. And though I stray, you're patient to the end. In you alone, I'm lifted up to heaven. In you alone, I soar on borrowed wings. When I've reached the end, you are just beginning. In you alone, I find all that I I'm so thankful for who God is, what he's done for us. Thankful I'm saved today. I'm on the victory side. On my way to heaven. I'm thankful that we are in a place in this world where we'll never be alone as a child of God. No matter what we face, no matter what difficulties we go through. I'm thankful today to be here. I'm glad that you're here as well. I'm so glad you came to join together with us this morning. And I want us to open our Bible now, if you would. And we're going to look at several scripture verses today, but I want to begin, I want you to look, if you would, in your Bible, to Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 20. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 
Last week we began a, a, a short series. We won't be on this very long, but I believe it's a very challenging series that we need. And last week we began by looking at this verse in Luke chapter 18 and verse number 8. You don't need to turn there. We'll put it up there. But we see that Jesus Christ, he, right after he gives this parable, a parable of prayer, but it's in connection with chapter 17, where Jesus Christ is talking about the time when he's going to come. Talking about the end times. Talking about the climate of where things will be like. If you want to go back and read that sometime, go back and look at chapter 17. Talking about what's going to happen when the Lord comes back and the condition of where the times will be. And this is a continuation of that. And we see here that there's a great question that the Lord Jesus Christ asks, asks here in verse number 8 when he says, When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? The challenge to us is that when the Lord's time is near, when the Lord is going to come, when the Lord is going to return, is our faith going to be strong? And I know if you want to go to the extent of this, we're talking about the church has already been raptured, but the closest that we're going to get, amen, to this time we're talking about is seven years prior when that trumpet sounds and we are raptured before the Lord comes and puts his foot down there on the Mount of Olives for his return. I believe in the pre-trib rapture of the church. I'm thankful today I don't have to go through that time of judgment. But the bottom line still is this, as the Lord's time is coming near, and I believe it's close, what does God see right now here on earth when it comes to the faith of his people? When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? You see, Christian men and women's faith is going to come under attack, and it has come under attack. It's going to continue. You think things are difficult now, it's not going to get any better. It's not going to get easier. I believe it's going to get more difficult and more challenging as the time approaches and we see the Lord laying everything in place for His coming and we see that there's going to be challenges to our faith. Last week we looked at the first thing that is certainly going to attack our faith and it's this world. We talked about it last week. The world. The values of this world will try to sell themselves as the same as the values of God, but they're not the same. They are completely opposed to one another. The values of this world are a moving target, constantly changing. The values of God are unchanging and constant. People trying to find things in this world to find satisfaction and peace and, and to find happiness, it's moving all the time, and you're never going to find it in this world. But you can find it with God. You can find it with what God says is valuable to us. The values of this world are trying to sell themselves by enticements. God's Word tells us that it's right there for us, and His values are laid out plainly in His Word. There's no enticements. You just need to make a choice whether accept it or reject it. Today we're going to look at the second possible collision course that our faith can have in, in the, the world in which we live in today, and I believe it's one that, that many people are struggling with, and it's the subject of toxic relationships relationships. Many Christians are in bad relationships. Today, I want to challenge you. I want to ask of you that you would look at the relationships that you have in your life. Do an inventory of the people that you're in that relationship with and be honest about evaluating whether they are helping you to get closer to God or whether they are pulling you further away from God. I want to stop right now. I want to go any further. I want you to stop in your heart, in your mind right now. I want you to, to look in your mind's eye at the relationships that you have, the people that you call friends, the people that you are close to right now, that, that significant person in your life perhaps you think that you're in love with and, and you perhaps one day want to marry. I mean, we, I want to look at all relationships. 
And I want you to ask yourself the question right now, is this relationship helping me to draw closer to God or is it pulling me further away from God? Are they allowing me to grow as a Christian or are they throwing things under me all the time and causing me to stumble and perhaps fall and not being the Christian that I know I should be? This is between you and God. This is not something I can look around and say. I can't tell what's inside of your heart or who you're even friends with. I don't know all of your friends. But who are your friends and are they bringing you closer to God? Are they pulling you away? If they're pulling you away from God, that's a toxic relationship. So today we're going to look at some of the characteristics of toxic relationships and then we have to decide if we're going to maintain those relationships or are we going to get in the right place, we're going to get to the place where we let our faith win in our life. I want you to look here at Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 20. You already turned there. Notice it if you would. He that walketh with wise men shall be, what's the next word? Wise. But a companion of fools shall be, what's the next word? Destroyed. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? Black and white. We have an absolute comparison here that is so easy to see. He that walk with the wise, be wise. He that's companion of fools, destruction's coming. Very simple verse to understand. It's not difficult. So here's the main point. If God wants to bless you, God sends people into your life that'll be a blessing to you. When we're talking about wisdom, we're not talking about world wisdom, we're talking about godly wisdom. They're gonna cause you to be wise, godly as well. They're gonna cause you to be wise. God will send people into your life, and God will let them be a blessing to you. Also, you need to understand this, though, as well. If the devil wants to harm you, the devil is going to send people into your life that will harm you. The devil wants you to be a companion of fools. The devil wants your life to be destroyed. The devil doesn't want you to have victory in your life. The devil doesn't want you to see your life do great things for God. The devil wants to get you tripped up. The devil wants to keep you from ever coming to know Christ as your personal Savior. And then, if he loses that battle, he knows he can never take that from you. He's going to try to rob you of the joy of being a child of God. He doesn't want you to have the victory in your life. He'll use people to achieve his goal. You can mark it down. He knows what kind of people will grab a hold of you and will work in your life. If God wants to bless you, God will send people into your life that will bring a blessing to you. If the devil wants to get a hold of you and harm you, He's going to do the same by sending people in your life, but not to bless you, but to harm you. That is a real thing that's happening right now. There's a spiritual warfare that's raging right now in your life, and you can mark it down. The devil is using people, and God's trying to use people. And you being in this place today, God is trying for you to grow in your wisdom, godly wisdom, and making better choices about who you are friends with. And so to discern who is going to be a blessing and who is going to be harmful, it really matters. We have to discern that. We have to understand that. We're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Be not deceived. Evil communication, that means company, who you're hanging out with, who you're talking with, who you have those conversations with. It corrupts good manners. That root word of that, you could say manners or morals. Manners is how you behave. The morals is why you behave the way you behave. It goes deeper than just your manners. It's about your actual morals on what you believe is right and what's wrong. That's what it's talking about. So you hang with the wrong people, they're going to bring you down. Do you realize that when you hang with the wrong people, you're never going to bring them up? 
Don't count on that. You're hanging out with the wrong people. Don't count on them being able to bring you up. I have seen it again and again and again and again. People say, well, I'm trying to bring them up. You're not going to succeed in bringing them up yourself. You can't do that. I've seen again and again and again as well people that have hung out with the wrong people and how they were pulled down. And since that is a straight from the word of God, we know it's true. What's straight from the word of God? Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. That's not my opinion that if you hang out with the wrong people that you're not going to be able to pull them up. They're going to pull you down. It's scriptural. It's what the word of God says. Do you see it? You all see what I'm saying, right? It's not just what I'm saying. It's what the word of God says. You hang out with the wrong people. It's going to corrupt you. It's going to pull you down. Thus saith the, word, the Lord, the word of God. It's not my opinion. It's what God's word says. Those toxic relationships, they, they, collide, they collide head on against our faith. What we believe, what we're supposed to be living for, what we're, we're supposed to be a Christian. We're to be Christ-like. You know, the great King David, he knew this. And so he tells us this in Psalm 1.1. Many of you know this verse. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Blessed is the one that, that doesn't sit around in, 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 in walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Ungodly people giving you counsel is a really bad idea. Standing in the way of sinners, that means where the sinners go, the places that they go, the places they hang out. Don't hang out there. It's a bad idea. Huh. Sitting in the seat of the scornful? That means going over with that person that scorns the things of God, that scorns the authority that God puts in your life, scorning all, anything they can, they'll scorn it, and you go and sit with them, and in doing so, you become a scorner with them. Blessed is the man that walketh not in these ways. Very plain, it's easy to understand. It's right there in black and white from the word of God. You know, Paul, he knew this when he instructed the, the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 5 and verse 7 through 9. He says, Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Here we see the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, challenging us to be not ye there partakers with them. Don't be with them. Listen, I can't stress it enough how important it is to know the characteristics of harmful relationships. He says, don't be partakers with it. We'll come back to that in a few moments. But I, I want to share with you three relationships that are toxic today that we need to look out for, we need to identify, we need to try to get them out of our life. You see, there are people in your life who, number one, they knew you in your past and try to keep you there. First one I want you to look at. People that knew you before you came to know Christ as your Savior. And they want to keep you where you used to be. Those relationships are toxic. Ephesians 4.17 says this, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. You see, you're not the same person you used to be if you're a child of God. Amen. You ought not be. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
When you got saved, God changed you. You're not what you used to be. And by the way, we should be so thankful that God saved us and God made us that new creature, that God changed us that day, and he continually is working in our life and changing us every day. It's something we ought to thank God for. I'm not what I used to be. But maybe you have some family or friends that knew you back when you weren't a Christian. They liked it better the way you used to be. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but I'm sure many would be able to raise your hand today. Yeah, that's me. I got people that used to know me before I got saved. The things that I used, they liked me better then. I mean, people that before you got saved, listen, you used to be just like them. You might have gone out and partied with them. You might have gone out and gotten drunk with them. You might have gone out and smoked with them. Maybe you used the same vulgar language as them. And, and listen, you had no regard for the things of God just like them. And they liked it better before. And now they see a difference in you. By the way, they don't like the difference. You know, light, when it shines in the darkness, the darkness doesn't like it. When you become light and they're still in the darkness, it, it, they don't like it at all. They don't want to see that at all. And so they let you know their displeasure. They make comments like, man, what happened to you? Man, you used to be so much fun to go out with and have a good time. What are you now? I mean, some holy roller. I mean, they might not be what some say, but they make all kinds of fun of you. Man, you were so much fun before, but what happened to you? Hmm. They've seen the change, and by the way, that's a good thing. They've seen the change, and they don't like it. They don't like it. Maybe they say, we wish that you'd go back the way you were. Why aren't you glad that you aren't the way you were as a child of God? I was lost. I was undone. I was living in fear. I was living in doubt. If I died that way, I would go to hell. I'm so thankful for the night that I trusted in Christ as my Savior. I don't want to go back to before that. Now I have a peace of knowing I'm on my way to heaven. I praise God for that. I want you to look. Why don't you just take your, turn, turn in your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to see this if you would. Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse number 7 again. We've already looked at this once, but I want to look at it a little bit more. Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse number 7. Look what he says there in verse 7. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Let's stop. What does that mean? Partakers of what? Be ye not therefore partakers with them. Partakers of what? What? Okay, anything that is wrong, anything that is bad. What things, and then we know by the context of what he's talking about. And, but look at the next verse. This helps. Maybe I should read this. The very beginning, verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness... But now are ye light in the world. Don't be partakers of the darkness. Don't be partakers in doing the things that you used to do. Don't go back and live the way you used to live on the other side of your salvation in your life when you were lost before. Don't go back and hang out with them. Don't go back and drink with them. Don't go back and do the things you used to do with them. You're a light, not darkness. Now are ye the light of the world. Walk as children of the light, of light. Walk as a child of God. Walk that way. Paul says, I understand you were just like your unsaved family and friends before. That's the way you were. But now you're different. Are you different? Are you? I'm challenging you with a thought. Paul says that's what you were. 
The Bible tells us, Paul, he, he, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Can you look back at a time in your life when that happened? When you were born again? When you were made alive spiritually? When God changed you? When you were made alive and you came to know God for the very first time in your life, you understood that you were on your way to heaven, that your sins were forgiven, that the Holy Spirit of God dwelt within you, and you knew that changed you he pulled you from where you were you were in the miry clay and you were lost but now you are now a child of God washed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ imputed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ the beautiful white robe of Christ is over us and God no longer sees sin in our account and paid in full don't go back to where you used to be live as a child of light child of God, one that has the peace of knowing that they're on their way to heaven. I know many people struggle with their past. I've met with people and prayed with people, and I know the challenge of the past. Understand this, the past is under the blood of Jesus Christ. Let it go. Don't go back. Don't go back to where you used to be. Go where God wants you to be. Sometimes history will haunt us. Even sometimes history will haunt us when the past isn't like a, a sin-filled thing. And I'm going to use this as an illustration because I think it's interesting. You know, even Jesus struggled with his past. What? He did. Not because he was a sinner. He was never sinned. He was tempted in all points as we are and was yet without sin. But you know, sometimes it's difficult when you get around family, get around maybe your hometown. People remember what you used to be. You know, Jesus in Matthew 13, he returned to his hometown to minister to the people. And you can go back and read that sometime. But the people, they did not want the Jesus who was ministering in the towns and villages and instructing the people and performing miracles. They wanted the Jesus of the past. Mary's son, the son of a carpenter, one of the town folk. That's the way they looked at Jesus. They wanted Jesus, the young boy, not Jesus, the minister and the savior of the world. And so if people try to hold Jesus in the past, we certainly will have people in our lives who want to hold us in our past as well. And there's so many applications that I can see with this, but I, I want to be very strong on this point. Listen, if your people that you think were your friends are wanting you to go back to the way you used to be before you got saved, they are toxic in their relationship with you. It is going to harm you. Right. It is going to hurt you. Here's the bad over here. Here's Jesus Christ. This is another example. Here's Jesus Christ. If the people in your life, as God calls you to do something, and you know that God wants you to do something, if they can't see you that any more than that little boy inside that church, and they don't encourage you to follow God's calling in your life, don't listen to what they're saying. God has a great plan for your life. Don't allow toxic relationships to keep you from doing what God wants you to do in your life. There are people in your life, secondly, who will always tell you what you want to hear. I like these kind of friends, don't you? I'm kidding around, obviously. They always say exactly what you want them to say. Guys, we're guilty of this sometimes, aren't we? When your wife asks you, how do I look in this outfit? <laughs> We've been trained that way, right? I mean, we, we, we say what they want to hear. That, that wasn't in my message, but I thought I'd throw it in there. Just a little side note. That can get you in trouble. Yeah, I know. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. That gets me in too much trouble. But I want you to look, if you would, 
Um, turn your Bible. Go to 2 Timothy, if you would, chapter 4. Look at verse 3. 2 Timothy 4, 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Now, there's several applications I want to make with this point. First one is I want to say this. I come up with great ideas sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes I come up with really bad ideas. All right? Now, you don't have to amen too much to this. I know. But when I come up with a great idea, it's wonderful. But if I come up with a really bad idea, I'd like for somebody to tell me that's a really bad idea. You all know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we really need somebody to tell you, no, that tie just does not match. You really shouldn't wear that. The Vischer boys, they have no problem helping me with that. Did you think before you got dressed tonight? I'm not sure which one of them said that, but one did to me one Wednesday night. I thought, obviously not. I, I mean, I didn't even know. It's good to have somebody tell you the truth in love. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, there's, there's times when we come up with ideas, we need somebody to stop us before we do something really bad. Am I right? Come on now. Help me out. People need to tell you the truth. We want for people to tell us the truth, don't we? So why do you get mad when the pastor does? And what kind of pastor would I be if I didn't? What kind of friend would I be if I didn't? Doesn't mean the pastor's perfect, but the word of God is. When God's word says something, it's not a pastor's opinion. It's the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. Don't get mad at me. Be thankful that you have a pastor that's not going to itch your ears. No, I'm not talking about a dog, you know, like this. Be thankful you have a pastor that's going to challenge you with the Word of God to follow the Word of God and not just tell you what you want to hear so you feel good and you keep coming back to church because it feels so good until you get to that crisis in your life and you have no stability, no foundation, and you fall away from the faith. That happens to a lot of people today that go to church. There's people today that are going to go to church because they feel good, so good about themselves. I mean, they just feel so wonderful that everything is wonderful because no preacher will ever tell them that they are sinners in need of a Savior. And there's going to be countless numbers of people in hell because nobody would tell them the truth. That they need Christ as their Savior. They need to come to the place of knowing Jesus Christ himself personally. The place in their life when they are born again because they have turned from their sin. The sin of unbelief and the sin in their life. They turn to God. They say, God, I, for, I, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus died for me. You're talking about Jesus dying on a cross. It's not a positive thing. Talking about the fact that we need a Savior is not a positive thing, but I can tell you this, it's the truth from the Word of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We need to hear the truth. You come to me and you ask me for some counsel to pray with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that God will give me wisdom. And as I study the Word of God, I ask God to show me what to share with you. But I'm going to share with you the truth from the Word of God. Don't get angry with it. Children, don't get mad at mom and dad when they share with you the truth from the Word of God and why or why not you should do something or not do something. Don't get angry with them. Don't get mad at a friend that tells you the truth. 
You need to be very weary of those that always tell you what you want to hear. Why are they doing that? Why do they always tell me what I want to hear? Now, I want to make a distinction here. There, there is those that never tell you anything positive. That's not fun either, right? <laughs> I like encouragement. Preached a message on it a couple of weeks ago. We all need it. A good friend is going to be encouraging at times, too. There's, there's a little balance there. They're always like rrr, 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 beating on the head. Something's wrong with that, too. But the problem is there are people that they just want to hear all the good stuff all the time and never any negative. You know the Bible says something about that in Proverbs 27, verse 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Hmm. What's that talking about? Sometimes a friend might wound us, but they're our friend because they tell us the truth. In love, the right way, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. In other words, they're doing it for deceit purposes. They're trying to do something for their advantage. They're doing something to take advantage of you somehow or some way or for themselves somehow some way. You might not ever make any reason out of it, but I can guarantee you. Remember, remember how God is sending people to bless you in your life and the devil is trying to pull you away from God? You can mark it down. There's going to be people in this world that will say that you're their, they're your friend and they'll never tell you the truth when it comes to whether you should do this or not do this. Oh, yeah, it's okay. Everything's fine. Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they never tell you the truth. You know, when I was growing up, my parents had no problem telling me something that I did not want to hear. Did anybody here have parents when you were growing up have a problem with telling you what you needed to hear? Mine didn't have a problem with that. They told me all kinds of things that I needed to hear. I mean, there was many times, listen, I mean, for, like, for instance, you can't have the car tonight. Oh, that's a terrible thing, right? So I went and bought my own car. No, I mean, you can't have the car tonight. I mean, you, they, you, no, you can't have the $20 to buy that. You don't need that. But mom, I want another Matchbox car. This is one personal to me when I was a kid, standing in, there was no Walmart then, whatever, Kmart. I want a Matchbox. You already got, you don't need a Matchbox. No, put that back. Kids, anybody, your mom ever said, put that back, raise your hand. Put that back, raise your hand. Okay, I see those hands. I got my hand raised too, see? Mean parents telling you to put those things back. I'll tell you, it's so mean. Maybe you didn't need that matchbox car. Maybe you need to learn the fact that be thankful for what you have or learn the fact of raise, you know, why don't you go do some work and make some money so you can purchase your own matchbox car. Amen. That's what I did. I bought my own car, right? I did. Um, my parents weren't well off. They were well off in a lot of ways, but money wasn't one of them. Well off in happiness and joy in our home and praise God for what God is doing and as far as serving God. But as far as money, no. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of parents, they pay for everything. We... We, I had to buy my own car. I had to, I, I wanted a, man, I wanted one of those coats, you know, the school coat. What are those coats called? Uh, what's that? Yeah, varsity jacket, man. And I wanted to earn my letter, you know, the big T on there. I went to Temple Christian and had to get the medals to go on there. I bought all of that. I bought my own class ring. Man, I, I was really excited about that ring. Um, I don't know where it's at. But anyway, I was so glad to get that ring. You all know what I'm talking about. You know, all those things, paid for own sports and stuff like that, you know, and working at those things. Does that, were my parents really mean to me by not doing all those things for me? No. You know, sometimes our, our children are being harmed by what we actually do for them. 
We're talking about a person that has a friend that says whatever they want to hear. You realize we have parents right now that tell their kids whatever they want to hear? Okay, Johnny. Yeah, yep, I'll get that for you. Kids don't understand the word no. Kids don't understand the word that no, we can't. We can, no, we're not going to. Parents today are giving and giving and giving and giving to their, to their kids to a place where they become toxic in what they're doing for their kids. Kids don't understand the word no. They don't understand that they have to wait. And they, they don't understand that, that, that the world is not like this. Listen, parents need to challenge their kids, need to give them work to do, need to tell them no when they need to do it, and yes when they should. But they ought not tell their kid everything the kid wants to hear. You know why? Because foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Kids don't know what's best for them. I thought I'd get an amen on that. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. You know, I thought there'd be a few on that one. I don't know. Not from the kids, but from the parents. Amen. You guys know the rest of the verse, don't you? But the rod will drive it far from them. That rod is talking about in the word of God. It's like a switch. It's not talking about something that's going to create bodily damage and harm. It's talking about something that's going to get their attention. The fact today is, though, many parents are being toxic in their relationship with their own kids because they give them anything they want. Can't. We're harming our kids. We're not training them for the future. What happens when they get to work and that boss tells them they got to do something? They say, well, I don't want to. <laughs> what kind of career is that going to make at McDonald's? <laughs> you can make a lot of money at McDonald's, man. They got a signing bonus to make $14 an hour right now. I'm joking around about that. Nothing wrong. Those are meant to step stone and some people make it a career. Nothing wrong with that. The problem is not McDonald's. The problem is that kids today don't know the word no and they get to work, they don't know how to keep a job. I've got to see if I have time to read this to you. You all okay? I'm not taking too long, am I? Well, it's quiet, so I better stop, right? Is it okay? I want to share this with you. It's a little bit lengthy, but I, I think it's fun. Maybe you've heard it before, but maybe not. It's entitled The Meanest Mother. We're going to take a vote after church to find, no, I'm just joking. We won't do that. <laughs> the meanest mother. Listen, this lady wrote this. She said this. I had the meanest mother in the whole world. While other kids ate candy for breakfast, I had to eat cereal, eggs, or toast. When others had Cokes and candy for lunch, I had to eat a sandwich. As you guessed, my supper was different than the other kids also. But at least I wasn't alone in my suffering. My sister and two brothers had the same mean mother as I did. My mother insisted upon knowing where we were going at all times. You'd think I was part of a chain gang. She had to know who our friends were and where we were going. She insisted if she said that if you're going to be home in an hour, you better be home in an hour or less. Not one minute over. I'm nearly ashamed to admit it, but she actually struck us. Yeah, struck us. Not once, but each time we had a mind of our own and did as we pleased. That poor belt was used more on our seats than it was to hold daddy's pants up. <laughs> Can you imagine anyone actually hitting their child that disobeys? Now you can begin to see how mean she really was. She had to wear clean clothes. She made us wear clean clothes, take a bath. The other kids always wore their clothes for days. They didn't have to take a bath. The worst is yet to come, though. We had to be in bed by 9 each night and up by 8 in the morning. 
We couldn't sleep till noon like our friends. So while they slept, my mother actually had the nerve to break the child labor laws. She made us work. We had to wash dishes, we had to make beds, we had to learn to cook, and all sorts of cruel, cruel things. I believe she laid awake at night thinking of mean things she could do to us. She always insisted upon us telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, even if it killed us. And it nearly did. By the time we were teenagers, she was much wiser, and our life became even more unbearable. None of this tooting the horn of a car for us to come running. Mm -mm. She embarrassed us to no end by making our friends come to the door to get us. If I spent the night with a girlfriend, can you imagine she checked up on me to see where I was really at? I never had the chance to elope to Mexico. Oh, <laughs> oh my. Through the years, things didn't improve a bit. We couldn't lie in bed sick like other friends, quote unquote, did, and miss school. If our friends had a toe ache, a hangnail, a serious ailment, uh, excuse me, uh, that nail being a serious ailment, they could stay home from school. Well, as the years rolled by, first one and then the other, man, we were put through shame after shame. Finally, we graduated from high school. With our mother behind us talking, hitting, and demanding respect, none of us were allowed the pleasure of being a dropout either, for that matter. My mother was a complete failure as a mother. Out of four children, a couple of us attained some higher education, and none of us ever have been arrested, divorced, or beaten their mate. And whom do we have to blame for this terrible way that we turned out? You're right, our mean mother. Look at the things we missed. We never got to march in a protest parade, nor to take part in a riot, and a million and one other things that our friends did. She forced us to grow up into God-fearing, educated, honest adults. Amen. Listen, we need to be very careful with the friends that we have. And we need to understand this, that we don't need friends that just tell us everything we want to hear. You don't need a pastor that just tells you everything you want to hear. Our children don't need parents that just tell them everything they want to hear. We lovingly are to encourage one another. Back to that verse once again that we read just a few moments ago in Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Toxic relationship, yes. Somebody that says yes all the time, agrees with everything you say, there's a reason behind it and it's not going to help you. Thirdly and lastly, there are people in your life who say they are a Christian, but their life does not line up with the Word of God. That's a toxic relationship. They say they're a Christian, but their life does not line up with the Word of God. Take your Bible now, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look there really quick if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy 3, look at verse number 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, innocent, fierce, uh, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than, than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. What's the, what's the last phrase say? From such turn away. From such turn away. All of these things that are listed, what does it say there that they are? 
having a form of godliness. Wow. In the last days, it's describing people that are doing some really bad things, but then it tacks on the fact that they have a form of godliness. Denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Paul's telling Timothy that there are people who will tell you, oh yes, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. They, they know the right things to say. They, they, they have a form of godliness. Maybe they, they say I'm a Christian. They, they have the, the, some talk at certain times of the week or day. They talk about Christ. And yes, maybe they go to church every now and then. Or maybe even they go to church every time the doors are open. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Because the rest of their life is like what's listed here. I mean, there's a lot of things listed here, some horrible things. I'm not going to take the time to go through all of them. But, you know, it's, it's interesting there that disobedient to parents is listed with it. That's interesting. Unthankful and holy. There's some horrible things, and we could spend, I mean, all morning just talking about these things. But the point is, is this. Everybody that says they're going to heaven ain't going to heaven. There's an old Negro spiritual that used to be, that's what the word said. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going to heaven. Everybody says they're a Christian is not necessarily a Christian. Now that being said, that doesn't mean that I'm going to be the judge and jury of whether they're going to heaven or not. I'll, res I'll let God have that position. But what I can do is I can look at a person's fruit and decide whether or not what they're producing in their life is what I want them to produce in my life. You all with me on that? You understand what I'm talking about? If they want to talk about godly things, and they, they even have a knowledge of the Bible. You know what? I don't know the Bible like the devil does. I can't quote as much scripture as he can. When he tempted Jesus Christ, he quoted scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> I, I can't quote, I don't know the Bible like he knows it, but I can tell you this, he's not godly. He is not like God. He wants to be like God, but he'll never be like God. Mark those people that say they're a Christian yet live like the devil the rest of the week. There's something wrong. Pray for them, but don't be best buddies with them. Don't hang out with them. People that say they're a Christian but aren't living that Christian lifestyle. That doesn't mean perfection, by the way. There's nobody here perfect. But you ought to know their heart desire and what their longing is and what, they, what brings them joy in their life. And obviously there's some fruit that's happening in their life that you see. Paul tells Timothy to avoid people. Avoid people that say they're a Christian, but they're not. You know, that means there might be some wolves amongst the sheep. That means there might be some wolves in the sheep house. I'll make it easier for you. That means there might be some people in church that really aren't Christian. They're not really saved. There might be people sitting inside your row. I gotta be careful where I look right now. The whole Vischer row over here, I gotta be careful what I say. But you don't know. Listen, folks. There's people that come to church, and if you if you see their life testimony, it doesn't equal with what they say that they are as a Christian. And we need to be very careful about being friends with them. Be very careful. When I say friends, I'm not talking about acquaintance, I'm not talking about loving them. I'm not talking about trying to encourage them. I'm talking about what we started out with at the very beginning, that bad company. Evil company corrupts good manners. Hanging out with the wrong people is going to corrupt the way that you think and what you do and what is wrong and right in your life. It's going to corrupt you. You see, we that are saved, we ought to know how we ought to live. 
As a child of God, we ought to be living the way that we should live. And we ought to be more and more like Christ. We ought to desire to become more and more like Christ. People that, that, that their life does not express that they are a Christian, bells and whistles ought to go off in your head, and we ought to keep our distance from them. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Don't be deceived by it. And so in closing, let me say this. Of all the things that I said, we're talking about avoiding toxic relationships. We're talking about not allowing ourselves to get into a place where, where, where we, we are involved in relationships that are going to pull us away from God, but bring us closer to God. All that being said, I want to say this. Avoiding toxic relationships does not excuse our duty to witness to people that are lost. Don't walk out of here and say that the preacher at that church says we ought not go out and win people to Christ. That's not what I'm saying at all. We are to witness to those who are lost. There's no question about that. We are not commanded to be their best friends, though. You realize that, right? We're to witness to them, but we're not commanded to be their best friends. Then some would say, what about Jesus? Well, Jesus, he, he witnessed to the publicans and the sinners and told them about himself. And you know what he did then? He, he saved them. He said, go and sin no more. But I can tell you this, he wasn't hanging out where they were committing sin. He wasn't living in that place. He wasn't continually there. Who do you hang out with? Who do you hang out with? The apostles, his disciples. Yeah. People that were his disciples, that means followers of Christ, that were desiring to be like Christ. Who are you hanging out with? Who are you desiring to be like? Young people, you're desiring to be like that cool friend that seems to have all the freedom? Uh, now, that cool friend that seems to have all the freedom, they would love to have the peace that's brought into your home by God's word being in your home and a godly mom and dad putting direction and, and discipline in your life that you feel the safety that you have. I can tell you this, I've known so many situations where kids seem to be so happy because they can do whatever they want to do, they would beg to have a mom and dad that cared, that cared what time they got home, that cared whether or not they were doing what's right. We have a duty to witness, but we also have a duty to keep our faith strong by avoiding toxic relationships. Earlier I said, look at the friends that you have. Let God speak to your heart. Identify. Are there relationships in your life that are drawing you away from God? People in your life that are causing you to do what is wrong and you know it. Is God speaking to your heart today? Do you long to have better relationships? Are you in church? Are you desiring to get better relationships? Look to people that are godly people. Get around them, get to know them, spend time with them, work together with them, do things with them. And when they tell you the truth, don't get angry. Don't get upset. We ought to tell the truth in love, but don't get angry about it. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray.